If you're a founding PMM, you're working in a company that is early stage startup, right? Like I don't see a lot of people who are at Series B hiring their first PMM. It's usually like pre-Series A or a Series A type companies. Um, and a lot of those are still so founder driven with messaging and positioning. And in a lot of cases, even founders are still selling the product and, and involved in sales cycles. And so when they now start to realize like, oh, there's a lot of sales, like there's salespeople who are, who are out there taking their spin on my messaging and, and it kind of just gets diluted um, or like the game of telephone where it just doesn't, it's not the same as what the fan. So a lot of times too, founders will want to bring on a product marketer to be like, I know what this should be. I need a product marketer to help me get everyone else on the same page. Um, and I do think a lot of that founding PMM role is like tapping into the mind of your founder. Because in most cases, they do have a good idea of like strong messaging. That's why founders are always the best salespeople. And it's part of your job is like taking what's in their head and like translating that into stuff everyone else can use in marketing, use in sales, like all that. Welcome to the Product Marketing Life podcast, brought to you by the Product Marketing Alliance and hosted by me, Mark Cassini, Product Marketing Manager at Jobber. Every two weeks, I pull insights from some of the world's most talented product marketers who uncover the secret sauce of successful product marketing. In this episode, I'm joined by Jason Oakley, founder of Productive PMM. Through Productive PMM, Jason acts as a product marketing coach, consultant, and creator with a decade of experience building PMM functions from scratch. Today, Jason focuses his time on helping other founding PMMs enjoy their work, deliver impact at their company, and advance their career. He also writes a newsletter called PMM Files, where he shares practical product marketing examples and inspiration. During our chat, Jason and I explore the ins and outs of being a successful founding PMM. He explains why, as the first product marketing hire, founding PMMs have to have an entrepreneurial spirit and feel comfortable flying the plane while building it. All right, with that out of the way, let's dive in. Hey, Jason, how's it going? Hey, Mark, doing good. How are you? Good, thanks. Really excited to have you on the show today. I know this isn't the first time you and I have chatted. This is the first time we're connecting for the podcast, but we've had a couple of combos at uh, the PMA events in Toronto, so it's great to have you uh, back on and uh, chat again. Yeah, likewise. It's fun to, fun to be on here. Thanks for inviting me. Of course, of course. Well, for anyone who hasn't heard of you, which I would find that surprising um, just based on your presence in the product marketing community and on LinkedIn, but for those who haven't, I think it'd be great if you could give an overview of your career so far. And more specifically, what led you to founding Productive PMM? Um, so I've always been in, in, most of my career has been in B2B SaaS. But when I was back at um, Uberflip, it was the first time I officially had like a product marketing title. I've always done, I, I've done, I don't know, lots of small entrepreneurial side hustles and, and startups when I was even just getting out of school. But um yeah, I moved to Toronto and I started working for a company called Uberflip. And so I'm originally from the East Coast, but uh, but yeah, at Uberflip, I started as a CSM. So I was just, uh, I yeah, I was doing, uh, yeah, it's just basically a, a, an IC. I was doing customer success and uh, and Uberflip, if anyone's not familiar with it, it's like a, a, a content, content marketing platform is what most people would call it. And um, anyways, I was had an interest in customer marketing. And so I, uh, I, I kind of was always, while I was on the CS team, I was doing a lot of things just kind of on the side of my desk to support CS, but also, yeah, it, it was, I at the time thought of it as customer marketing, but a lot of it looking back was like product marketing things that were focused more, more so on customers. Um, and so I was always trying to kind of weasel my way into a customer marketing role. Um, 
And so uh, I had had a bit of experience with like some advocacy programs and like um, Influitive and stuff like that. So I was like, customer marketing is going to be my my niche. That's what I want to get into. And when I was about to get into it, like they they basically uh, they lost their product marketer. And so I was about to move into customer marketing. And then the you know Randy, who's the the co-founder, he was like, Hey, what do you think about product marketing? And at the time, I had no idea what product marketing was. Like it's still very new, right? Like so. We're talking about and almost like 10-ish years ago at this point. And and yeah, I was so I was like, you know, what is product marketing? And he would try to explain it. And I was still really didn't know what it was, but I was like, sure, you know, at the time let's just kind of start up. I was down to do anything. And so that's how I got into it. So at, at um Uberflip, I started the product marketing team there. Um, you know, it wasn't really much of a product marketing function at all when I had stepped in and that person was gone. And so you know, we basically we were starting from scratch, and so I uh, built the team there and um, and scaled that out, and then moved from there over to Chili Piper, and so we made the transition just around when COVID started to move over to Chili Piper, and so got to build the product marketing function there. So I stepped in as the, the founding PMM. We had a CMO at the time, and for a week or two after I got hired, we had a digital marketer who left the company. So it was me and the CMO, like at a very early stage. Um, which was cool to see that, you know, even at an early stage there, you've got a CMO and a product marketer. And that was the first two, right? Um, and so built out the team there, Chili Piper, you know, grew a ton, big success there uh, and learned a ton um, while at Chili Piper. And then um, moved from Chili Piper over to Clue. And so the cool thing about Clue and why I really loved that role, again, coming over as they hadn't had a, a product marketer in the seat for somewhere between six to nine months. They had, you know, uh, basically again, starting the product marketing function from scratch. And it was, uh, it was cool because they sell the product marketers. So for me, I was like, this is one, it is a, another like founding PMN role, get to build out this function, build a team. Cause at, at before all they had was one solo product marketer who was a VP. And, um, and so, yeah, I took it a, like one, it was a great opportunity to build another team, but it was also a really cool opportunity to market to product marketers and just start to share things on LinkedIn. It was like a forcing function for anyone who's trying to build their own like personal brand. I'd say, look for a company that sells into the market you want to build a brand in. And uh, it's like, it's part of your job then. And so that was really cool. And so as I was in that role, I started to, you know, for me, productive PMM was all of my career has been as, as a founding PMM, like the first PMM in the seat sort of thing, building out the function from scratch. And I was like, there are a lot of founding PMMs out there. There's like a big need for, you know, most people in this world don't know what they're like. They're very new. There's so much being thrown at them. And so I was like, there is a, there's a lot of support that this like community needs. And so I started to first build like a digital product for that group and I started to uh, do a bit of coaching for other like founding PMMs. And, and then I decided to make the leap. And so like my first thing with Productive PMM was I launched a, the, what I call the product PMM Productivity Hub, which was like a Notion template. Um, I started to take on, like I said, I, like basically I had my first coaching client. And then, yeah, I decided to make the leap. So March last year, I, I kind of went out on my own, started uh, Productive PMM, put up a website, did all that stuff and been growing it since. So launched a newsletter, been uh, launched a, a cohort-based course with Andy and Tamara. And so, yeah, it's been been a lot of fun. 
Yeah, I can imagine. And it's been exciting just standing and watching as a, as an observer, the, the, all the great work that you've been doing with productive PMM. And, and like you said, the course that you've built with Tamara and Andy, and, you know, we'll, we'll touch on this idea of founding PMM. Cause I think it's such a, a fascinating kind of terminology that I, I feel like you've basically invented. I don't, I don't think I, there's really many other people calling the first PMM hire founding PMM before you started socializing it in, in the product marketing circles. But before I do that, I just have a couple of questions about, you know, your product marketing experiences. You mentioned you spun up a couple of product marketing teams. So when you're that founding PMM looking to make the next product marketing hire, what are the types of characteristics or, you know, um, skills that you're looking to bring in on that second hire? Is it specific to the company and their needs? Or are there generally some skills that offset your own that you're looking to bring in as you're building out a team? And, and you know, what are some of the things that maybe other founding PMMs should consider when they're looking to make the next product marketing hire? Yeah, it's a good question. So I think it's <laughs> worst answer. It depends, but it really does. So I think, but I, I think the way to think about it is, you know, at any point in time, so you're a founding PMM, you're sitting in a seat, depends on how long to like, sometimes you get hired and they're like, we have budget for you right away to hire someone. And you know maybe the CMO already has a, a sense of who that hire might be or what we're gonna hire them for. And maybe that's part of like, even during the hiring process, they're like, yeah, we have budget because we're also gonna bring on someone for X. But, like, but it, outside of all that, like if you are in the seat, you're the founding PMM and you get to decide, um, you've asked for budget and they have budget to hire someone. I'd look at a couple of things. So one, I would look at what is the business need? So, or, or what is the business's objective, right? So like heading into the year, it's, you know, who knows, maybe it's, uh, there's, you're starting to scale out your sales team and you're like sales enablement, it's a big weakness and like competitive enablement and stuff like that. You could be like, you could have a, uh, a, a like a premium product, but you could be PLG. And the question could be then like, okay, well, how are we going to drive adoption? And how are we going to make sure that people are like using and, and upsell and expansion within our product? So it's a question of like, what does the business need? And in addition to that, though, it's also looking at what skills do I not have? So I think a lot of founding PMMs, when you come into the, the role, you have to do a bit of everything. And everyone can in the general, you know, for the most part, they can figure out what they're good at and what they are the best fit for. And so once you figure out those things, then it's a matter of saying, okay, well, where can someone come in and fill those gaps? And so it could just be that there's a skills gap in the company that's missing today and we need to fill it. Or it could be something where it's like, oh, if we had this person with this skill, then that would be great. Um, so I think it's like, if you look at it on both sides there, then you're really kind of looking for someone who can come in and fill, like say, fill those gaps or fill that need. But I also think like if you're still going to stay at two people, like a two person product marketing team, you still do want to find someone who is like pretty entrepreneurial, scrappy, right? Can focus on something and be the, the owner of that. But at the same time, can can dabble in other things. Because I think like, yeah, at that stage, I'm talking startups, first, first product marketer, first two product marketers still need to be able to kind of be able to jump in and out of things, I think. Yeah, it sounds like you almost want to hire someone who's going to come in with a similar founding PMM mindset, right? Someone who's willing to totally do yeah. what needs to get done to to move things forward and not too precious about what is and isn't their responsibility. Um, yeah, well, that's great. Yeah, I appreciate that. Appreciate that insight. And in, in your experience, when it comes to making the call on that second hire, was it typically you who was going to the CMO or the CEO to say, "Hey, you know, I need some more support," 
Or was it others in the organization realizing, hey, you know, Jason's doing some great work. It'd be great if we had another one of him um, and coming to you and saying, hey, do you think there's a need? What did that conversation look like? Who initiated it? Just curious how that played out. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good question. I think so. I, I work with I work with lots of product marketers. Um, these days I work with I get to work with a lot of product marketers who are founding PMMs, which is awesome. And I would say that there are a couple of scenarios you see where. Yeah, like, and and it does again. It varies, but you could come in, and there could be like, hey, like, hey, Mark, we've great. You're our first product marketing hire, um, but there's also budget for you to bring on someone else, and they might have suggestions, and they might, but it might be your CMO being like, we need a lot of help on the product marketing side, so hiring you, and then I need you to hire someone else. Um, I have other product marketers who come in, and right away they're they're like, okay, well, I need help, and so then it's a matter of asking for that budget to build out the team. Um, and in which case you need then to do a bit of that, like assessment of what we talked about earlier, which is here's why we need someone. They're going to come in and they're going to fill these gaps. And, um, and this is what I need the budget for. And so I think like it could, yeah, it's usually like it's either or, um, but I think that, uh, I'd say for the most part, product marketers come in, especially these days, I think product marketers come in as the founding PMM. They're expected to sit there for longer now, I think, because budgets are tighter. There's less of a, okay, we hire you and now here's budget to go hire someone else. And so there's a bit more of like a business case product marketers need to make um, to get that second, third, whatever, higher. Yeah, absolutely. And last question on this thread before we jump on to our main topic. And um, just curious, when you were brought in as the founding PMM, was what was the kind of the trigger for that need? I know you had mentioned that there was a previous PMM in the role that had left, but I don't know if you had any insights uh, to even towards their hire. Um, was it a, you know, the organization has a big product launch coming up and they realize actually we don't have anybody to help actually get this thing out the door. So we need to bring in product marketing. Mm-hmm. Was there a need to update positioning and messaging? Um, I know in, in my career, it was typically the former and not the latter is typically, uh, you know, product org realizes, oh, our product managers can't actually spend time launching this thing because they got to keep building it or move on to the next thing. So let's bring in a product marketer. But I'm curious in your mm-hmm. case, you know, what was that triggering event or need that made someone realize, hey, we need to bring in a product marketer? Yeah, it's a good question. With um, with Uberflip, it was a more of a positioning and messaging thing. So it was that and a bit of enablement, but it was all kind of rooted in that. And I think it was them being like, we don't know how to describe our product in a consistent, compelling way. Um, And we hear product, like even at this point, it's like, and that's what we think product marketing is supposed to do. Um, Again, like at Uberflip, it was still where product marketing was, you know, the the product marketer that they had before. It it just wasn't the same type of role as it is today. Like they were building pitch decks basically, right? Like they were doing that and maybe working on maybe a bit around product launches, but not, there wasn't much in terms of, um, it wasn't as built out a role as it is these days. Um, but yeah, it was, it was that general sense of, I, we, I don't feel like we are describing our product in the right way. And I need someone to help us figure that out and like make sure the sales team is, is explaining it in the right way and, and all that. And then I would say at Chili Piper, it was Chili Piper was like brand new building out the marketing team. So it was kind of just like, we need product marketing. Um, Yes, around go to market, but again, still it was around. We need everyone to be. We need to have like strong messaging. We need to make sure that our uh, yeah, it was just all, all pretty much all around go to market at that point. And then, um, 
And yeah, so so it's a bit of a mix. At Clue, Clue again, a, a kind of a different one there where they're like, we sell the product marketers. We need one, we need like a subject matter expert, right? Like we need that person. We can't be a company without a product marketer. One, the role is valuable. We need our own competitive enablement program. We need our own this. Uh, like we need to make sure that we are like buyer enablement was a big part of what we did at Clue as well. Sales enablement, running the competitive enablement program. So those are like some of the things at Clue that were like top of mind. Yeah, that makes yeah. makes a lot of sense. And, and, you know, on the first couple of experiences you mentioned, I've heard that articulated by other product marketers as well uh, through the lens of, hey, you know, our CEO and founders are really good at telling that story to prospective customers, but they're only one or two people. And now we've got this sales team that's maybe three, five, 10 people. And every yeah. time they go and tell, you know, what the CEO or the founder is telling them, it changes ever so slightly. And it's a different story. So we need to bring in product oh, marketing to make sure it's, as you said, consistent, it resonates, and taking that kind of founder CEO story and reevaluating it through the lens of, you know, how does this fit within the market? What's the positioning? What's the messaging? So that you can have, you know, that cohesive story that resonates with prospective customers. So not surprised yeah. to hear you say that. Yeah, it's interesting. Like so many startups, yeah. Typically, if you're a founding PMM, you're working in a company that is early stage startup, right? Like I don't see a lot of people who are at Series B hiring their first PMM. It's usually like pre-Series A, right? Series A type companies. Um, and a lot of those are still so founder-driven with messaging and positioning and in a lot of cases, even founders are still selling the product and, and involved in sales cycles. And so when they now start to realize like, oh, there's a lot of sales, like there's salespeople who are who are out there taking their spin on my messaging and, and it kind of just gets diluted um, or like the game of telephone where it just doesn't, it's not the same as what the fan. So a lot of times too, founders will want to bring on a product marketer to be like, I know what this should be. I need a product marketer to help me get everyone else on the same page. Um, and I do think a lot of that founding PMM role is like tapping into the mind of your founder. Cause in most cases they do have a good idea of like strong messaging. That's why founders are always the best salespeople. And it's part of your job is like taking what's in their head and like translating that into stuff. Everyone else can use in marketing, use in sales, like all of that. Exactly. Sometimes it's just as simple as taking what they have in their head and totally codifying it in some kind of document or deck or somewhere where I, everyone can reference it because even yeah, like I'm, no go ahead sorry no i was just gonna say you know even the founder can sometimes change the story depending on who they're speaking with right so it's hard right. as a sales team or even a product marketer to be able to get to that level of consistency when sometimes it, it changes so just coming into as i said codify it can sometimes make make a big difference yeah yeah like i remember at clue we were working on our uh like our strategic narrative um around competitive enablement and so a bit of like defining and, and uh talking about that category and trying to define it better but also just yeah our strategic narrative um, as a company and i remember we were we had gone through an exercise and then i'd like shared some of our original messaging with jason this is like early on in the process and he was like oh yeah hold on a sec and he sent it me like four or five evernote files and they were all these notes and things that Jason had already written like years earlier, all the right stuff, stuff I should have looked at beforehand. And I was like, duh, I should have sat down, got these documents, interviewed you like in depth before to get everything out of your head first, um, which I didn't, right? Even, you know, my like third PMM team uh, still didn't do that. And so I think it's a, yeah, 
it's a, uh, it's part of the job, especially like in an early stage. And I love that you highlighted that because I think it's so easy for us as product marketers. I don't imagine, especially the founding PMM to just orient and default to, well, the customer will tell us through interviews, what our positioning and messaging should be in a strategic narrative. And it sounds like at Clue, you, you realized, you know, by the, the founder and CEO sharing it with you, like, actually, no, we've actually known what it should be for quite some time. And, <laughs> and you know, Jason specifically knew what it was. We just needed to, to ask him. Um, so it's, it's, it's fascinating that, yeah, like, Sometimes as product marketers, we, we overcomplicate things because we want to be so customer focused, which is good. But sometimes you can be customer focused to a fault and make more work for yourself. Mm. And really, the answer was already there all along. You just had to ask the right questions to the right person. Yeah. And at the very least, ask them, ask the questions, get that baseline so then you can know, OK, this is what we're starting with. Right. Before you go out. And then when you go out and talk to people, at least like you can you you know if what they say is is validates what you already know internally and what your you know your founding team already had in their messaging documents and stuff like that then you can be like great you don't need to waste months on trying to do a bunch of research try to validate it totally well this is great you've already answered a ton of the questions I was going to ask you about being a founding <laughs> PMM anyway so this is fantastic but you know we we talked about this concept of founding PMM and as I said I feel like you're one of the the foremost people talking about what it is to be a founding PMM and kind of like I said codifying that term founding PMM. So I want to ask you, you know, why do you think is such an important, um, albeit subtle distinction to, to make, uh, when saying, Hey, I'm a founding PMM versus I'm the first PMM hire. Like what, why, why do you think the distinction is so important? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I, I guess it's worth mentioning too. um, founding PMM. I had heard it somewhere and I wish I could credit who I heard it from and I don't know. Um, and I'm sorry, you know, whoever you are out there. Um, but I just loved it. And so I've been running with it ever since. So, um, so I just can't take credit for the, the founding PMM name, but I, I will take credit for hopefully making it popular. Um, but I think it's, it is in really, I just think it's part of a mindset thing. Like if you're the first PMM hire, yes, founding PMMs are an IC. A lot of times they come in, they're an individual contributor and they're just like a solo person. Um, but when you come in with the mindset of, yeah, you're, you're just a product marketer. You just, I guess like if you come in with a founding PMM mindset, you're like, I am a founder. I'm a founder of this team. I'm building this function. And you think of it more of, I need to establish systems, a process. I'm building the team members. Like I'm, if you take that, come in with that mentality and that mindset, then you're going to approach the role a whole lot, a lot differently. You're not going to be like executing. Yeah. You, you're like, how do I build this to be a successful team and a successful function? And um, I just think the name just of founding PMM takes on more of that than, okay, I'm just the first of many PMM hires and who knows where I'll end up. Maybe I'll lead this team. Maybe not. Um Whereas if you call yourself the founding PMM and if people are hiring and they say, hey, like we're looking for a founding PMM, I think the people will take the job, like they'll come in with a better understanding of what that job is and they'll think of it in a different way. And even like people hiring today, I think you're looking for people with the founding PMM mindset. Um, and so calling that out, I think it will appeal to a certain type of person versus being like, we're hiring a product marketer, we, so is everyone else. And, you know, it's not really uh, a true representation of like that role versus an IC product marketing manager role that might be at like a, 
500 person, 1000 person company. For sure. And it definitely feels like it's gaining steam because I know you even got a founding PMM job board, the productive PMM that anyone can check out at any time to see what companies are looking for those specific needs. And they yeah. want someone with that founding PMM uh, mindset. So I call, yeah. uh, I highlight that because anybody who is looking to pursue a founding PMM role, you know, Jason's the guy to talk to through his productive PMM community and his site, because um, I, I know you update that quite frequently uh, and you even call some of them out in your newsletter as well. So definitely want to yeah. give that a shout out. Yeah, I update it every week. So go to ProductivePMM.com forward slash jobs and yeah. uh, and subscribe to the newsletter PMM files. And yeah, every week I share a few, but then you'll also just get reminded. And it's interesting too, just, you know, within the last like three or four months, like it's just a process every week of me going through, basically I just go through LinkedIn and I just look, there's a bit of a manual process again, because people don't say this is a founding PMM role. So you got to read the job description and you got to do a bit of like, detective work to be like, is this a founding PMM role? And um, it's because people don't make it clear. And, and it's interesting too, even just the job titles that people use, right? I, I look back at like, I think it was out of 180, like close to 200 jobs that I found. I would say 70-ish, 70 to 80% of them were uh, product marketing manager titles. And then maybe, you know, another 15 to 20% were either like senior manager, director type thing. And then, or maybe no, another 15 to 20% were senior manager. And then the rest were like director, lead, principal. And it just goes to show too, like a lot of founders don't think of, they're just hired. Like, I guess it's the base, basically what I'm saying is that a lot of people are coming in as a founding PMM these days who don't have a lot of experience. Like they're, they're, they've been individual contributors at other companies, or a lot of times it's their first product marketing role. And uh, it's a lot to take on. It's, it's very interesting that a lot of founders out there are like, oh, I'll get someone junior and they'll come in, they'll build out this whole function and figure out my, like you look at these job descriptions too, and it's like, figure out our go-to-market strategy, our positioning, messaging, sales enablement. It's just, it's wild. Absolutely. And, and, and I know it's gotten a lot better, but I feel like even as early as a year or two ago, I remember seeing product marketing roles come in, you know, through the feed on LinkedIn and you've got, you know, hiring product marketing manager, but they also want to be able to do uh, design work and they've got to be able to, to manage demand gen campaigns. And <laughs> yeah. I feel like we've gotten a lot better at kind of, Hey, we need an entire marketing team in one person. Um, so I feel totally. like that's no longer an issue, but you're right. There is a lot of inconsistency between the title, the responsibilities, the expectations, because product marketing is still an evolving role. Um, obviously, it's a lot more established because you're seeing a lot more product marketers at companies of varying sizes. But as you've said in a number of your own answers, the needs of that role change dramatically depending on the company, its stage of growth, the market that it serves, um, the broader marketing org, the product org. There's so many factors at play that can influence a, a JD for a founding PMM. Um, and, and what I will add on just your question, your, your answer, I, I really like, again, this, this founding PMM mindset, because I, I do think it allows you as someone coming into not necessarily push back on the expectations, but also get alignment on the expectations during the interview process. Because again, I remember early on in my own career, yeah. one of my first PMM roles, uh, the first thing that they did, and it was basically a founding PMM role, uh, as I mentioned earlier, was, hey, we got this product launching in two weeks. Can you spin up a go-to-market? And I was obviously happy to do it, but I, you know, looking back, I realized it, I didn't set myself up for, you know, faster success because I was just so focused on getting that product at the door that I didn't take it right. through the mindset of what do I need to do to set up this function? You know, what are the um, practices and processes we need to put in place 
um, as a product marketing function to be successful over the next 30, 60, 90, you know, insert timeline. Um, I was just yeah. so focused on that launch that I feel like I probably could have gotten to, again, more impact a lot sooner had I just taken things, not necessarily slowly, because you obviously can't move too slow these days, but right. had, had that founding PMM mindset to make sure all the foundational pieces were put in place before focusing on purely executional stuff. Yeah, it's interesting how many of the people that I coach come into the founding PMM role and there's always a big product launch. So I don't know, it, it just, it's one of those things where, you know, obviously, you know, to your point earlier, that's a big catalyst to bring someone in. You're like, we need a product marketer because we're launching, doing this big launch. And there's always a big product launch, but it's funny too, because there's always going to be a big product launch. It's, uh, you know, and if there's not, then some, I don't know, is the company, like what are, especially for a startup, like, what kind of, um, I guess, how, how actively are they, you know, developing the product and stuff. But I feel in the minds of the founder and stuff, there's always going to be a product launch. It just always happens that a founding payment comes in and they've got this one that's on their plate. And even if it's six months out, it feels like it's so current and they need to start working on it right away and it takes up a lot of their mind. Um, but you, to your point, it's like, that should be a portion of your time, but you also got to think about, you don't want to get six months in this thing's launched. And then you're like, well, what next? And it's just no, you've got no other kind of process built, no other like system in place and no other programs like even started around what is this product marketing team? What's this function look like? Um, so yeah. Right on. And, you know, as you said, you've gone through it sounds like hundreds of PMM job postings, um, you know, over the last little while here. So I'm curious in going through all those postings, would you say that there are any kind of like red flags that you've seen that someone might want to look out for when kind of reevaluating whether or not they want to apply for a founding PMM role? Um, are there certain things that stand out like, uh, I get what this company's <laughs> trying to do, but if it was me, I'd probably want to, you know, stay away from this one as a founding PMM. Yeah, I think a lot of a lot of the job descriptions all look so similar. Like they're, you know, they're probably just copying off one another and, and all that. Actually, my newsletter last week, I shared a really cool example. Example, um, Ellen Averna had shared and uh, of, a, of a, and this was like a growth job description, but she shared it because it, it was very, it was great because it was very specific. It was very realistic in terms of like, how we expect you to onboard. And it was like very clear on the expectations of the role versus being just like vague and ambiguous and like what most job descriptions are. Um, but I think the biggest red flag of like that you typically would see is, and it, it, I would, job descriptions are hard because again, everyone's kind of saying everything. And then you're like, well, like, yeah, like that makes sense what a jobs product marketing job description looks like. But I'd say when you get into the interview process, it's trying to get a sense of, and you might get it from the job description and hopefully you get it from the interview process of one, it's do they understand what product marketing actually is? Um, and, but more importantly too, it's like, are they expecting you to be something else other than a product marketer? So it's, if it's more, yes, content is a part of most product marketing roles and that's totally fine. But if it's purely focused on content um, and there's, and it just seems like you're going to come in, you're going to be an IC and you're going to be responsible for like answering to the content needs of XYZ team. Then that to me is a red flag. Um, and then 
I think like when you get into the actual interview process, another thing that I think is a red flag is that I think if you're coming in for a founding PMM role, you should try to talk to someone who's in product and you should try, try to talk to someone in, who's in sales. Ideally, like the leaders of those teams. And if those people are not involved enough, like if, you, if they don't seem bought into this role, then you're not going to set yourself up for very much success. So I remember like when I was getting hired at Clue, for example, head of product, head of sales, all involved in like stages of the interview process. And you could tell they cared about this role. They wanted to make sure they had the right person in the seat. They wanted to be like, about, like they wanted to be a partner with this, this function. And so, you know, you see a lot of people and I've coached these people too, where you come in and sales leaders, they might be building like a pitch deck that might be working on messaging and they just don't have the backing of someone in sales, right? And if you're working on these things, you want to work on it with that sales leader. And if that person couldn't care less about product marketing and they're like, I don't understand this role. I don't like, I, it doesn't matter to me if we hire this or not. That's a red flag. Yeah, I, I think that's fantastic advice. And even from the product side, if you can get a sense of what role product marketing plays uh, pre-launch, I find is a good indicator of, of how successful right. you could be in the role as well. If someone in the product um, you know, leadership role just expects you to come in once things are developed and just ship it. Totally. Then, yeah. you know, that's not what true product marketing is. And I know it's very easy for a product marketer to get stuck in that trap, especially because every tech startup you're going to work for is going to have a product team before they have product marketing. So it's like you said, having that conversation with that product lead to make sure that they're bought into product marketing, being a part of the process from the start and not just after yeah. everything's been developed. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great one. Product is, yeah. If you can step into an interview process and you're talking to the head of product and, you know, you really don't know until you get into the role and you actually start to see, but if they're saying the things that make you, it feel like you are going to be like, they care about you doing research and you influencing the product roadmap and helping them understand the market and the competition and those sorts of things. If you hear that, then that's a really good sign. Um, but like still a lot, a lot of times coming in as the first product marketer, these teams might not have worked with a product marketer before they might not have, or they've been so long without it that they've just, they do all the product marketing things on their own anyways. And so they don't know where you're going to fit in and that's okay. But as long as they're involved and they're like just bought into the role coming on board and they're, they're there to, you know, invest it and kind of working with you and you can tell that from the interview process. Um, but the red flag would be is if you could tell they're not. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And on a similar thread, then in terms of red flags, would you say there are any non-negotiables in your work in your books? Like if you were coming in as a founding PM, the role needs to have X, Y, Z in order for me to feel like I'm set up for success to make sure that I can execute properly as a founding PM. Yeah, I, I would think it's it's similar to the things I just said. Like if you if you're coming into a role and you're like, I really don't think that these people understand what product marketing it should do. And I feel like I'm going to step into this and I'm not going to one, either get to work on the things that I want to work on. Or if I do spend time working on these things, these people aren't going to listen or use it or, or like kind of, yeah, back me on it, support me on it anyways. Then I think that that is like, those are, those should be things that are potentially deal breakers for you. Right. Um, yeah. That makes a ton of sense. In 
you know, I want to have you weighed in on the debate that I often hear, um, you know, and I've had guests on the show talk about it as well. But in your mind, you know, as a founding PMM, I guess I'll ask you this question in, in two ways. One is, do you feel product marketing should report into marketing or product? Um, mm, if you have yeah. a strong opinion one way or the other. And then um, similarly, do you think it would be fair for a PMM, a founding PMM rather, to have a say in that decision as well? I know oftentimes when a role is created and the JD is written up, that reporting structure has already been defined for budgetary reasons. But do you think it's fair for a founding PM to maybe push back on that or maybe question the, the hierarchy depending on where what the needs of the role are and where it's been aligned to? Yeah, that's interesting. Having the having the option would be would be cool. Like I even even if it's not necessarily having the option, but it's like come into the role, see how spend six months doing it. For now, you'll you're reporting to me, CEO or founder, right? And then we'll figure out what team you're really going to report into. That would be an interesting way to do it. Um, there are there are lots of people who think that product marketing shouldn't report in any of those teams, that it should be its own standalone function and reporting to a strategy team. I think that every like I think if your company is primarily sales-led, um, I think product marketing should report into marketing. Um, I think product marketing should report into marketing. Marketing sales typically have like a pretty tight relationship and I just, to me, I think it's the makes the most sense. I think if you're going into an organization where you are, uh, where it's mainly like product led, um, I think reporting into product is probably, I just think then it, that might, again, I, I haven't worked in those companies. Most com like all companies I've been into have been primarily sales led. Um, they, you know, had like PLG ish type things, but, um, but it's never been like a, you know, like a notion calendly type situation where it's like purely product led. Um, but I would say in those types of companies, I think product marketing probably it would make sense for them to be in product, working more directly with like product and growth and those types of uh, teams. So I don't think product marketing should report into sales. Um, I've reported directly to the CEO a couple of times. And I think that that's, that's pretty good. If you're, depending on the size of the company after a while, it doesn't make sense. Um, but again, I, I haven't worked in companies where it's been like product marketing has been its own function. Uh, and I'd be curious about alignment. Yeah. I think that makes a ton of sense. And I, and I like that because it sounds like you're almost arguing for wherever the funnel lives, the closer product mm -hmm. marketing should be. So if the funnel yeah. lives almost exclusively in the product and it's a product led, then it makes sense to align product marketing to the product org. If it, lives in the you know sales team and marketing team than likely marketing so i think that makes a ton of sense and you know i too have had a variety of reporting structures i've, I've never reported into product myself but i've reported just like you to the, directly to the ceo um that was largely because at the time there wasn't a cmo so that the ceo and the founder um the same person he was taking ownership of the marketing team and i actually really liked that structure for a lot of reasons because it did give me direct line of sight to someone who made all the decisions within the york great right. visibility in terms of you know performance and output as well um obviously there's always going to be challenges reporting into the ceo um which you know many others have spoken to um elsewhere so i won't dive into those here but um i really like that structure personally um mm. but even now um, where i am at jobber because we have a full fledged product marketing team reporting into a director of product marketing that then reports directly into the cmo i think also works quite well yeah. um because so much of what we do in product marketing at least at jobber is so 
dependent on support from the rest of the marketing org and vice versa that yeah. for us, I think to report elsewhere would be, would be a challenge. So yeah, just to yeah. tack on to your answer there, I think it makes a ton of sense. Yeah. 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 I'd be curious to see if more people start to do, if product marketing starts to become its own function outside of marketing, which I think naming wise, that would be confusing. But, uh, but I think that, uh, I'd be, I'd be interested to see if that happens. Um, and my big question would be like, would the alignment be there? I think if you sit with a team, the benefit of that is that you are going to be more aligned with that team. Um, just by the nature of it, I think. And so I think you give that up by stepping completely outside and being this completely different department that does its own thing. So. Yeah. And I know you mentioned this uh, earlier, but I think Tamara, um, I forget where it was. It might've been an unbounce when she took on the chief strategy officer role. I remember her saying mm-hmm. that product marketing reported into her. And I think that structure also makes a lot of sense. If you've got a strong strategic leader at the C-suite that can vouch for product marketing and really elevate the strategic importance of product marketing at that level. Um, and obviously there'd be cro- very close collaboration with the CMO and the head of sales and product. But I think, I think that is also a great um, path to go down if you can advocate as a founding PMM for that structure. If again, if there is that strategic, um, like dedicated strategic person in place at the time, or maybe that's something that you advocate for that the founding PMM steps into down the road, much like it sounds like tomorrow did at, at Unbounce. Um, so yeah, yeah I think that's another that's interesting a, thing to explore as well. That's a great point. Like if you have, and, and I know like to your point, Tamara, I think advocates for that a lot. And I think it makes sense if you have someone at the C-suite level who, to your point, is a big advocate of it, who's going to make sure that you are involved and make sure that you are uh, have a seat at the table. And I think that, um, yeah, if you come in as a founding PMN, maybe that's your vision. Maybe you want to get there. And uh, I think that's a really great point. Like it could, that could be like your goal, right? And I think that is, if you think of like career paths and things like that, you might think, well, I'm on the top of the product marketing food chain. Where do I go from here? Do I have to be a CMO or do I... Right. But, you know, I do think uh, your goal could be that, hey, I want to just make product marketing, have a seat at the table in the C-suite. And my one day I will be head of strategy or chief product marketing officer, which is cool um, if that happens. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And for those curious, the episode that I had with Tamara, um, like a couple episodes, if you haven't listened to it, I definitely recommend it because she's got some great um, kind of perspectives on her experience and, and kind of what advice she has for others who are looking to pursue the similar path. So. Um, definitely encourage if you haven't listened to that episode yeah. to check that out because Tamara is great. Um, awesome. Well, well, Jason, this has been a fantastic conversation. You know, it's always good to catch up with a fellow Canadian PMM, especially someone who's been such a strong advocate for not just product marketing, but founding PMMs. Um, so I really appreciate you taking the time out to, to chat with me about uh, such an important topic. Before I let Thanks, you go, man. I'm going to ask you my last question. So you want to ask all uh, my guests and that's what's an area of focus in the realm of product marketing? that you think product marketers will have to pay extra attention to this year, more so than in previous years? I think I'm going to go with, oh, it's a tough one. I'm torn between, so I think position, I'm just going to say two. So I'm indecisive, but uh, I think one positioning and messaging, and it could just be the kind of like the echo chamber that we're in within LinkedIn right now, all about clear positioning and messaging. But I think that um, companies are having to get more clear on clearer positioning, but in their messaging to clearer, more descriptive of what they actually do, less kind of fluffy ROI messaging. I think, um, again, it could just be like, because I'm reading it every day from folks like Rob and Anthony, but uh, I do think that's one thing product marketers 
are going to be thinking about more this year. Um, and then I think the other one is buyer enablement. So I think product marketing, the idea of buyer enablement is something that it's getting harder for people to buy. And um, I think that like, no, at least for, for the next while, buying software, buying products is going to be harder for like buying committees and champions and all that. And I think that product marketers are going to be involved, if not owning a lot of the buyer enablement. Um, so for example, at like Clue, one of the big things was working on, um, like we had a calculator basically that allowed people to calculate their competitive revenue gap, but not just do that, giving them a template that they could use to turn it into basically like a business case to help justify something like Clue. So I think things like that, things like interactive demos, um, everything like that is content that is very bottom of the funnel, but it's also very just focused on being helpful and helping people, making it easier for people to buy. Um, and so I think product marketers, they should at least be thinking more about buyer enablement. Uh, and I do think that enablement is a big part of product marketing. A lot of times we think enablement is sales enablement. But I think a big part of enablement too is like enabling buyers. And uh, so, yeah, I think you'll see more of that, or at least I hope you do. I love that. I think that's some phenomenal advice. And, you know, I, I think I think you're absolutely right, specifically around the kind of proposal template, you know, especially because they're, especially if you're working at a B2B SaaS solution, like there are so many out there um, across a variety of, of verticals and, and industries addressing different, you know, opportunities and challenges that, a, that a, you know, a SaaS business might be facing. Um, and I think the easier you can make it for someone at that company to turn around to their superior or their finance department or their IT department to say, Hey, we need this tool and I'm going to fire you off all the, you know, cost structure. And here's an interactive demo, as you suggested, like, I think that just makes that conversation that much faster and that much easier yeah. and really sets you apart from the competition where, you know, if I'm evaluating three options, if this is the easiest for me to get approval on and solves all my problems, because most competitors these days are pretty feature parity because, you know. Everyone knows how to develop good product these days. Not everybody, but most. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, if you can differentiate yourself through the buying experience, I think that's a great way to stand out and ultimately get selected, especially totally. in those competitive situations. Yeah. Yeah, there's some great examples of like buyer enablement that um, that I've come across. Like, yeah, Dovetail had a great one recently. They had like an automated, um, basically a, an automated tool on their website. And it was kind of like Tinder for picking your uh, business challenges and things like that. And it would automatically spit out a proposal for you afterwards that you could then just pass into long internally. It was really interesting, but it's just cool. Like these types of ideas of how do you make it easier for people to buy and the whole even positioning messaging thing, like that is kind of rooted in this mindset of like, how do we make it easier for these people to understand our product and like without having to somehow translate all this kind of buzzwordy stuff that's on our site today. So. Yeah. Love that. And on the topic of highlighting examples, I, and I want to give you a chance to kind of highlight the many ways that people listening can engage with you, learn more about the great work you're doing with Productive PMM, uh, your yeah. newsletter, PMM files, as you as you uh, highlighted earlier. So if anybody does want to get in contact with you or just kind of keep in touch with all the great work that you're doing and learn from you, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, two, two easiest ways. You can go to my site, it's ProductivePMM.com um, or just find me on LinkedIn. Um, and I would say the thing I would encourage everyone to do, yeah, sign up for my newsletter. It's called PMM files. Every week I share five cool product marketing examples that I've found. And I kind of, uh, kind of share what you can learn from them. 
And uh, so I'd encourage you to sign up for that. And if you are a founding PMM, yeah, follow me, like get in touch. I run a coaching program and I help founding PMMs kind of navigate that role. And so, uh, yeah, if you're, if you're looking to get into founding PMM, just connect with me anyways, love to chat. Yeah, I can't recommend that enough. And like I said, Jason, you've been doing some fantastic work for kind of championing this idea of founding uh, PMM roles. Um, so I, I want to thank you for that. And I can guarantee you'll have people um, not only subscribe to the newsletter, but likely reach out to you directly for some guidance on maybe pursuing their own PMM founding role or navigating you know, life as a founding PMM. So um, yeah, if anybody finds themselves in that situation, Jason is your go-to guy. So again, Thanks. thank you, Jason, so much for your time today. It's been great chatting. Thanks, Mark. Cheers. For everyone still tuned in, thanks so much for listening. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please help us spread the word to other product marketers. Before we leave you to get on with your day, if you want to get involved, here are a few ways you can. If you're a product marketer and you want to come on the show and speak about your day, a specific topic, or your role in general, that's one option. If you want to flex your podcast hosting skills, being a guest host is another. And finally, if you or your company want to spot to an episode, there's a third. Thanks again and have a great morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you are.